Hey, it's Kyle Meredith, host of the Kyle Meredith with podcast, presented by WFPK at WFPK.org and the Consequence Podcast Network. It's a series that puts the spotlight on iconic musicians and actors, inviting them to drop by and talk about their latest projects, whether it's albums, TV shows, films, or beyond. I'm going to say something I don't want to say. Here it goes. Without Spinal Tap, there is no Tenacious D. Whoa. <laughs> Man. We get great stories and the biggest scoops from people like Garbage's Shirley Manson, the 1975's Maddie Healy, Jack Black and Kyle Gass of Tenacious D, Maya Hawk, Kiefer Sutherland, and everyone in between. New episodes arrive every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, so it's a great way to keep up with your favorite artists and discover some new ones. You can find Kyle Meredith with on the Consequence Podcast Network or wherever you get your podcasts. When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to Good for a Weekend, the podcast where two friends talk about Taylor Swift. I'm Cressy Cornis. And I'm MK Ashford. And I'm Mary Soroki from Consequence. <laughs> and it is time for our annual wrapped episode where we recap everything that's happened with Taylor Swift this year. We are going to dish on her music, her tour, her relationships, plural, billionaire status movie, and much, much more. And joining us today is a special guest, journalist Mary Soroki from Consequence. Welcome, Mary. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, we're so excited to have you. Uh, Mary will be joining us for the beginning of this episode to talk about Taylor's impact in the music world this year, because Mary has been working on a piece for Consequence this year. Do you want to talk a little bit more about that, Mary? Yes, I do. Yeah. Taylor is our artist of the year. Um, so exciting. It's so exciting. And what was so funny about the process for that is that it wasn't really a process this year. Sometimes there's some conversation, but there was truly no other choice this year. She made it yeah. really easy for us. Yeah, I think she's everyone's artist of the year, person of the <laughs> year, all the things. <laughs> it's true. It's true. And so in writing my piece, I was kind of trying to figure out how to summarize this year in a different way from some of those other pieces out there, which has been a fun challenge to take on. Awesome. That's really exciting. I know I'm excited to read it and to talk more about that. But to start off, each year we have an annual recap of everything that's happened. And we like to start these on a personal note with our own Spotify wrapped. So we are going to share our Spotify wrapped. And would you like to share yours with us, Mary? Yes. Okay. So how much, how, how deep are we getting here? I love Spotify wrapped season. Same. I am obsessed with seeing everyone else's Spotify wraps. 
I think the funniest detail that I would love to share with you guys is that for the second year in a row, Willow was my second most played song. Okay. So two years in a row, it's landed at number two. And I think that I play it when I'm yearning. Uh, and Spotify is now telling me that that's almost every day, which sounds okay. Sounds right. Yeah. That's so interesting that you say that. I feel like Willow gets played and are placed in a lot of people's top five because similar to mine, there were some songs in there that are at the front of a playlist. And I feel like for a lot of people, mm. the first song on an album always gets in the top five because it's like whenever they mm. go to that album, it always plays True. first. But you like are a big Willow fan. I'm the biggest Willow fan. I swear I'm the biggest Willow fan out there. I love Evermore. I'm such an Evermore girly overall. I have kind of a conspiracy theory that if she had put out Evermore first, it would have been received the way folklore was and that mm. people would have embraced it. And, the, and they still kind of hold them hand in hand. But um, I love Evermore. I love it so very much. I also have a special place in my heart for it because it was one of my first reviews that I did at Consequence. And Taylor liked it on Twitter. Oh, oh my crazy. God. Taylor notice. Yeah, That's so cool. Yeah, I was just kind of still starting out and it felt like the biggest stamp of approval imaginable. But I loved the the Evermore portion of the show. I loved how witchy we got during Willow specifically. Um, and I just, I love that song. I love it so much. I've got to be honest, I wasn't the biggest Willow fan, but after the tour, the way she performed it totally changed it for me. And now yes, I love listening to yes. it. Totally. I'm I'm I've mixed feelings about the idea of a live album, but I would take it just for that live version of Willow because it's so good with the drums and the the chord progression changes she made. Oh my gosh, I love it. Completely agree. Why do you have mixed feelings about the live album? I would love to know what you guys think. I am wondering if we need a live album. I think there have been a lot of very expensive experiences lately as a Taylor fan. And I think <laughs> the rental cost of the Eras tour after paying for it in a movie theater and um, having that be something that would go away after like 24, 48 hours is a really high cost. And this is kind of just another another dollar sign in that equation. And so I don't know. What do you guys think? I think that's exactly why she's going to do it. She <laughs> is a capitalist queen and there's going to be six variants. For, yes. No, there's going to be a variant for each era and people are going to buy all of it. No, literally. Mm -hmm. And she's going to, she's at like 1.1 billion right now. That's going to take her to 1.2. Yeah, it like won't be on streaming for a while, I bet. And like, yeah. it'll right. be hard to get. Yeah. Yeah. She'll do it eventually. I didn't even think about it, but when the Cruel Summer one came out, Cressy was like, MK, she obviously didn't just record that one. And I was like, oh, you're probably right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Duh. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're, we're putting the pieces together. Yeah. We're, we're figuring this one out in advance. So I would love to know y'all's top five songs and artists. And also... You don't have to share this, but I thought the location situation this year was so interesting. I got a random city in California I'd never heard of because I listened to a lot of surf punk. It's like, I Ooh. have no interest in going there, but feel kind of cool. That's fun. That's very cool of you. Yeah. That was the yeah. one thing I was going to say I wanted to talk about, too, because I'm embarrassed of mine and I'm just like curious about everyone else's. Let's hear it. What did you get, MK? Where are you moving? College Station, Texas. <laughs> That's like the, that's where oh tech, Texas A&M 
the University of Texas. <laughs> we're Santa. familiar. Yeah. Yeah. Why? I was really embarrassed. What was the reason? I don't know. I guess there's like a lot of basic pop girlies there. Because I only listen okay. to pop music, really. But then one of my coworkers said his was College Station, Texas, and his top five was like Drake, The Weeknd, like huh. Suicide Boys, like weird things. I've never heard College Station. I've heard Provo, Berkeley, and Burlington. Those have been I have like a lot of victory. friends in Provo, but yeah. I got sent to Davis, Davis, California. Okay. And I think it's because I do listen to a lot of international pop. I was keeping up with all of the BTS solo releases this Mm -hmm. year. So I think they sent a lot of the a lot of the K pop girlies to Davis, California. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I'm embarrassed to mind. But I'm assuming since like my version was the very basic like girl version and his was a very basic like white boy version, that that's just where they send the basic bitches is to Texas A and M. Yeah, <laughs> it's not. I'm not. You're proud so of it. unique. I it, it does make you unique. I've literally never heard that as someone's answer. So I love it. Embrace it. Well, all right. Well, I, you won't think I'm unique after you hear my top five artists. So let's hear it. All right, number one, Taylor Swift. Obviously, <laughs> number two, the 1975. Number three, Olivia Rodrigo. Four, One Direction. Five Harry Styles. Wow. Okay. One Direction makes it. Not surprising. Like six year in a row, baby. Let's go. And their catalog's not expanding. So that's really just <laughs> me. You're keeping their checks signed forever. Someone's got to do it. All right. What about you, Cressy? Number one, Taylor, obviously. I was surprised. I was only in the top 2% this year. And I think a lot of Swifties are like going to bed listening to her. And there's been like a Swiftflation with like the numbers on Spotify. And I think that's why I got lowered to 2%. Wow. I do want to interject. Okay. I've been in top 1% like pretty much every year since Spotify rap became a thing. And I've been trying to break the 0.5. My friend, Caitlin, guest of the pod, Era's tour movie mm-hmm. guest, Caitlin, 0.05%. How? Does she sleep with her on? I don't think so. I think she just, she doesn't really listen to podcasts much besides ours. And she like okay. literally only listens to Taylor. Like I think the whole year. Okay. okay. So Caitlin, that's kind of weird, but I still love you. It was very impressive, but also a little scary. But yeah, crazy. Yeah, there's some swiftlation going on. Number two, like yours, MK, the 1975 Number three, Hozier. Four, Harry Styles. And five, the Arctic Monkeys. Ooh, you're a cool girl. I'm like so different. I like that. All right, Mary, what's your top five? Do you have it available? I don't know if I have all five of my artists handy. I do know I do know BTS was in there. And I do know that Taylor was number two, which is pretty consistent. And then my top song, actually, I th- yeah, with all the BTS boys releasing their solo projects this year, December of last year was um, the leader, RM. He put out his solo project. And there's a song called Closer on there with R&B artist Mahalia and then another artist named Paul Blanco. That song is excellent. It is such a great song. Uh, And that stayed pretty heavy in my rotation. So that became my number one. Very cool. Cressy, do you want to tell us your top songs? Yes. Uh, Number one, Wet Dream. Two, Cardigan. I thought Cardigan was going to be number one for like the fourth year in a row. 
or whenever, I guess the third. Mm-hmm. Number three, Sedona. Number four, Malibu, 1992. And number five, Another Man's Jeans. I'm just like so quirky and different this year. You, guys. <laughs> you really are. It's normally all Taylor, but like, I guess I've just expanded a lot. That's impressive. You had Chappelle Roan in there, right? No, uh, another man's jeans is Ash or Ashe. I don't know mm, how to pronounce her similar name. Similar sounds mm-hmm. though, right? Yeah. Oh, very similar. They're both like kind of hyper pop, hyper feminine. Yeah. Yes. And then you had like wet leg too. Yep. Wow. Love them. Very cool of you. Very, very girl centric yeah. for sure. Yeah. Here for it. Mine were all Taylor and they're actually pretty mortifying. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited. Number one, Cruel Summer. It's like the most basic song of the year. Number two, Karma, the second most basic song of the year. Three, The Man. Okay. Interesting. <sighs> Engineering girly, blowing off some steam. That's, I'm not even going to lie. I think I like came home from work after like being a construction Barbie and was like so annoyed with my life that I would like listen to The Man in the shower and scream yeah. about how like it shouldn't matter what I wear and like if I'm rude. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I just, like, started relating to the man this year. Yeah. Number four, I Can See You. I stand by that. And number five, Lavender Haze, which I think is one of those that it's just because it's the first on the album. Yeah. I like that. But that is also my favorite off of Midnight's, actually. Oh, really? That's fun. Mm -hmm. It's a good time. Well, speaking of your favorite off of Midnight's, do you consider yourself a Taylor fan at all? Yeah, you know, I have been thinking about it a lot this year because of everything that happened. I do think I consider myself a fan. I don't know if I have the qualifications to be a Swifty since I don't follow the clues. I would not be helpful in some of the puzzles or um, some of the things with her personal life. But I listen to all the music she puts out and I have listened to it since I was a kid. And every Taylor's version release leaves me in tears. For some reason, I'm not about to cry right now. I'm just still getting over this cold. But (laughs) when I first turned on um, Fearless, Taylor's version, I was crying like all day. And so there's a lot of nostalgia baked into her music. And I listen to everything that she puts out. So I feel like I feel like fan is the right term for me. Yeah, totally. We don't do the puzzles. That's, that's another level we're it not is, counting it is and like any fandom you know there's different different thresholds yeah. to be found yeah and there's definitely an iceberg I know that there are people out there that will count for me and I'll read it but I'm yeah. not gonna we'll be zooming on in on the pictures you know exactly it's not my job yeah no me either <laughs> well it kind of is but <laughs> okay so you said that there's like a lot of nostalgia there do you have a favorite era I know we have already talked about about Evermore a little bit, but that is one that I ride for, okay. and I will I will always hype up that album. I think Ivy is so poetic, so gorgeous. My friends tease me because all the time I'll just be driving, I'll turn on music, and I'll be like, I think it's a folklore Evermore day. Don't you think this weather's a little folklore Evermore? And they're like, you say that no matter what's happening. <laughs> but um, I stand by it, and. Um, I do have a lot of nostalgia for Speak Now as well because I played a lot of music growing up. I was teaching myself how to play guitar. My parents got me the sheet music book for Speak Now. So I know those songs like front to back since I would sit on my bedroom floor and just kind of like go through that book a million times. And the first year I lived in Nashville was when Red came out. So I do have a little bit of nostalgia there as well. But I would love to hear what your favorite eras are. I am a big reputation girl. Mm -hmm. That's my era. Yeah, ever mm-hmm. since it came out. So, 
And I'm a 1989 girly. We have so much range. Look yeah. at us. We're really covering all our bases. And I, I have so much love for reputation as well because I was going through the worst breakup of my life in 2017. And so, Perfect timing. Yeah. No, I needed it so bad. She like she really got it. My reputation had never been worse. And she was like, <laughs> here you go. Yeah. Wow. That was great. Now, I would love to know, uh, you mentioned folklore Evermore season. Do you think they are the same season? Or do you think they're two different seasons? Like maybe one's fall, one's winter. Like I have an answer. I wonder Ooh. if you do. Okay. So to me, maybe it's just because of when they dropped, but folklore to me is late, late summer, like August, September. And then Evermore is like September, October and and into the rest of fall and winter for me. I agree. Yeah. For okay, me, cool. folklore is like a light sweater mm-hmm. and Evermore is like when you need a coat. Yes. Yeah. Love it. Because folklore can have like a chilly nighttime vibe, but it still has August. Like it's still sunny during the day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But for me, Evermore is November. On November 1st, like the day after Halloween, I took an everything shower and I played all of uh, Evermore in the shower to like start the season. And it felt right. I bet it did. Good. I'm so happy for you. Now, with your process working on this piece for Consequence, you mentioned that it was a little different at the beginning of the episode. Can you explain how you try to make it not like all of the other pieces that are out right now? Yeah, definitely. And I think um, the time piece kind of changed what I was thinking as well, because I had covered a little bit of the same things in my piece, and I think I might dig into it just a little more. But um, the thing that I felt was most important that I hadn't seen a lot of mainstream writers really address on a on a platform yet is this idea that a lot of the reason why young women are especially connected to her music is because it gives them the space to really process everything fully and that their stories matter and this idea that being a young woman is never going to be easy but that her music makes it feel just a little bit more possible and I think that having that moment and the Eras tour happen in the same year as the Barbie movie and this confirmation that women-led media and women-centered media is so, so profitable on top of everything else, uh, it was a really interesting intersection to explore. So that was um, that was the approach that I took. But another thing that I wasn't sure a lot of people had talked about was that for a long time, to be a Taylor fan was not cool. And to wear her merch was not a badge of honor. And something changed. And so how interesting for the people who have followed her for a long time to now see people who maybe used to tease them about their love for Taylor Swift want a place in that community as well. So I almost feel like it's kind of the year Taylor became mainstream cool in a different way from what we've seen before. That was kind of my big focus when trying to piece it all together. I think that that's such an interesting thing to touch on. I've definitely noticed that. I literally know people in my personal life who hated Taylor Swift and would make fun of me for liking her throughout middle and high school that posted their Spotify wrapped and she's in the top five. Right. And I'm like, oh, where's the energy now? It's a very interesting phenomenon. And I wonder if it has something to do with the way her music has evolved or if it really is just because she's everywhere, you know? Like, is it really you like her music now or is she just so mainstream that it's like everyone's into it? I don't know. It's hard, too, because I find myself sometimes wanting to 
gatekeeper, you know, the most Mm -hmm. famous artist in the world, like you weren't in the trenches during the reputation era. Like you did not have random people just talking about how she was a snake. Like you were not there. Mm -hmm. But then I have to remind myself, like, she's the most famous woman in the world. Of course, (laughs) most people are going to like her now. Yeah, it's it's a very interesting place to be. And so I I don't think I'd seen anyone really talk about that last point um, in a major article Mm -hmm. like that. So that's what I was curious. But I'd love to read if anyone has. I also thought it was interesting. It sounded like you said the decision-making process was different this year, too, to like decide to make her the artist of the year. So how does she compare to the previous artists who have won, and why was that process different this year? Yeah, yeah. So sometimes sometimes it is like this year where it's just obvious. On uh, other years, there's a little bit more debate. Um, but this was a year where there really was no other choice. Like we really hardly had to have a conversation about it among our staff. And um, we were just confident that this was this was the artist of the year. But if you look at some of the folks that have um, been named artist of the year in the past, we have folks like Lord in 2017 and Janelle Monae in 2018. And Harry Styles last year, um, people who just put out work that resonated on kind of an earth shaking level, like a where it's a major chapter in their story and a major bookmark in that year, their respective years, where you can't really talk about pop culture in that year without addressing what they did. And so with Taylor, it was just, you know, it was obvious, which is really fun. That makes sense. I feel like um, you mentioned you read the Time article. Mm-hmm. In the Time article, the writer, Sam something, was like, how many times did you have a conversation about Taylor Swift this year that you did not initiate? Of course, she's the artist of the year. <laughs> like, Of course. Right, right. Literally, I think, has been around my daily life every single day since March, probably, like when the Eras tour started. I just sometimes I like feel like I can't escape her. And when people talk to me at work about her, I'm like, oh, my gosh, like they don't even know that I talk about this like with my friends. I talk about it for a podcast like I'm talking about this all the time and I need a break. (laughs) (laughs) And just the TikTokness of it all. Are you on TikTok at all, Mary? I am. Yeah. And I'm also part of our TikTok team here at Consequence. Okay, cool. Definitely a big part of my life. Yeah. She's been all over TikTok. And I do think that's also another reason why she's become, it's like become cool. Like, mm-hmm. especially the live streams of the Eras tour that became sort of an event. I think that added a lot to it. Definitely. Definitely. And it's interesting to see how social media has played into concert culture at large, I think. And just people really vying for interactions from their favorite artists rather than, and I don't think this is like this at the Eras tour really, but rather than just kind of enjoying the moment. It's really interesting to see how TikTok has really, really changed people's perceptions of the live music experience. Mm -hmm. I do think, too, doing the Eras Tour, this is something that we've kind of talked about on the podcast, but doing something like the Eras Tour makes it more mainstream inherently because there's a lot of people that wouldn't consider themselves fans of the past three or four albums or maybe her more popular albums or whatever but since everyone was invited to come see every single era dress up as their favorite era the debut girlies the speak now girls like or even if you only like folklore I feel like people went to see their favorite thing their favorite era that may never be seen again because this is probably the last time she'll do every single era Mm -hmm. yeah I hope so for her sake 
oh, I know. <laughs> and we're able to like dress up and be proud of like that one thing rather than just going to like a midnight's tour. I mm-hmm. think that that would not have been nearly as popular. It was so smart of her to play into this nostalgia factor and kind of broaden her horizons for who would want to show up and be proud to show up. Now, my last question for you is with all of these publications naming her their artist of the year in 2023, do you have any predictions or thoughts of what she's going to do next now that she's so on top? Mm. Like what's her next move, you think? That's a really good question. I don't know where a person could go from here. Down. <laughs> like, could you imagine being Taylor Swift? Every publication is naming you like person, entertainer, woman of the year. Where do you go from there? I think she is uniquely gifted at riding out different eras, for lack of a better word. She knows what it's like to be at the at her personal lowest she knows what it's like to be at the top of the world. And so, and she also knows what it's like to be completely removed from society. She knows what it's like to enjoy being in the spotlight. And so I think at this point, she will do whatever she wants to do next. I hope that it means that we get a little bit, I hope she does something weird. Like I hope we get an experimental album from her, like something like, 70s rock or um just something like really different from her that we haven't seen before kind of how uh folklore and evermore introduce her to a whole new audience and different critical lenses i would love to see her step out of her comfort zone since she has collected all these accolades and is in a really confident place in her story um i would love to see her take a risk and use that momentum in that way but i don't know if she will i don't i don't know what's going on in that girl's head (laughs) I will say, historically, she typically only seems to take risks when she's at her lowest and feels like she has nothing to lose. And when she's at her top, when she feels like there's something that people like, she tries to ride that out as long as she can because she likes being mainstream. She'll play it safe. Yeah. I feel like she only did 1989 because Red didn't win Album of the Earth Grammys because she said hey they didn't like that let me be better let me reinvent myself and then I feel like folklore came out because we were at this weird time in life but also lover kind of flopped yeah so she pivoted I feel like she pivots when she feels like she has to so I think that's an interesting prediction Mm. and I also hope for that but I feel like she'll ride the pop wave of midnights as long as she can yeah that's a really good point and I also I don't think I'd be I don't think I'd be upset with that, but there were a lot of moments on Midnight's that I think did not embrace her full potential. I loved the concept of Midnight. I loved this idea of self-contained stories, and I really enjoyed it as a listening experience. But I am not a fan of Bejeweled. I think that it sounds juvenile for where she is and what we know she can do. I love the unhinged nature of Karma. I love the kind of stripped back dreaminess of um, Lavender Haze. But I think there were some moments where I'm like, you can do better, specifically Bejeweled, I guess, is my, that's the one where I'm like, what are we doing here, Queen? (laughs) It was fun live, but yeah, we know she can do better. Because I feel like those songs that were most popular amongst the fan base on Midnight's were the ones that were a little different kind of unhinged like maroon you know or like yes yeah I was gonna say maroon you know just like a little darker and if she had tapped into that it would have made more sense with like the albums 
rollout and marketing too. So I see what you mean. I totally agree. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Same. I want to see her do more features with other artists this Mm -hmm. upcoming year. I feel like those are always so fun. Like when she worked with Haim or the National. I want to see more of that. Yeah. Agreed. I like that. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Mary. Yeah, we had so much fun. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, it's such a pleasure. And we're so happy to have you under the Consequence umbrella. I know. We're really excited, too. Is there anything that you want to plug, like your socials or anything like that? Sure. Yeah. Um, My Twitter is Mary Soroki. Who knows how much longer we'll have it, but it's there for now. That's where I kind of share a lot of my work um but i'm trying to post more on uh instagram as well that's my first initial m and my last name is siroki s-i-r-o-k-y um if you follow me you'll also end up accidentally learning a lot about international pop music as well so just buckle up for that nice there's probably a lot of overlap there so i think there is i definitely i definitely see a lot of overlap between uh bts fans and swifties um which is really fun because they're kind of killing their respective pockets of the industry that's what i want i want a collaboration there would that not just be the thing that broke the world that would be insane they should not put it on put it on streaming. <laughs> that should be like an itunes exclusive yeah so yes the amount of yeah. money they would make <laughs> yes i like it all right yeah i'll stay on brandon leave us with that thought <laughs> <laughs> perfect amazing well thank you so much mary thank you guys super nice to meet y'all yeah it was really nice to meet you too Awesome. Thank you so much again to Mary for joining us. We are so excited to get to the rest of this episode. But first, a break from our sponsors. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. All right, welcome back. We are ready to get into our annual 2023 Taylor Swift wrapped episode. And this is going to be a doozy. I feel like we have lived so many lives in 2023. Yeah. Like, do you remember where you were when you found out that Taylor and Joe broke up after six years? Yep, on my white couch. I was in my bathroom getting ready to go out, and I texted my friend that I was going out with that I was devastated, and she thought someone died. Well, something died. Or when Speak Now TV was announced in Nashville. Yeah, that grainy live stream. We had never experienced that before. That was crazy. hmm Yeah. And the fact that we got not just one, but two Beyonce appearances this year. What are the odds? It's been a crazy year. Taylor has been historically so private. And this year she is uh, letting herself be jeweled. 
and we're so well fed. I know. And I'm a little nervous. I feel like there's no way we can do this correctly or accurately, but let's try to break it down. We're going to do our gosh darn best. And to be clear, if we listed everything Taylor did because she has broken so many records and has received so many accolades and awards this year, this would be a seven-part HBO miniseries to cover it all. It has been the year of all years. If you've been listening to this podcast at all, I'm sure you know that. We've had a gabillion bonus episodes and emergency episodes. So we're going to focus on things that we loved the most or we think is the most important to talk about. And we're going to start with the heart of it all, her music, because this has been a huge year for Taylor on the charts. As I'm sure everyone knows, Taylor was named as Spotify's global top artist of the year with a record-breaking 26.1 billion streams this year. B, capital B, billion. This ended Bad Bunny's three-year reign. She's also Apple Music's Artist of the Year, of course. And according to Apple, Taylor had 65 different songs reach Apple Music's global daily top 100 in just the first 10 months of 2023, not even counting November and December. That is more than any other artist. 65 songs. I like can't even fathom that, actually. No. Who can? Like, that's so many albums. I that's like because not no one puts out that much music ever so like it's only her you know only her and it's globally this is not just the states this is the entire world it's wild she also joined prince this year as the only artist in history to chart five albums simultaneously on billboard 200's top 10 taylor also became the first soloist in history this year to top the entire top five vinyl album sales according to Billboard. She also became the first artist in history to have 13, how cute, albums sell over 1 million copies in their first week worldwide. Wow. Lastly, she released two albums this year, Speak Now TV and 1989 TV. MK, give me a break. Give me some stats from both of these albums so I can take a breather. Will do. Insane that like back in the day, we would be able to bank on one album every two years. And now we assume at least two a year. Yeah, that blows my mind. So we start with Speak Now. In July, it debuted at number one on the Billboard 200 at 716,000 units, making it the largest week for a country album since December of 2014. After Speak Now, Taylor became the first woman to chart four albums in the top 10 simultaneously, the first woman and living soloist to chart 11 albums simultaneously after The Beatles and Prince, and the first act to have nine albums sell at least 500,000 copies in one week. Damn. Speak Now was huge, and I honestly didn't expect it to be because it was kind of an older album, but like, wow. And then 1989, I think we all did assume this would hit hard, but... In October 1989, Taylor's version is officially Taylor's most successful re-recording so far. 1989 TV debuted at number one on the Billboard 200 with 1.653 million units sold, 1.35 million pure, surpassing Midnight's as Taylor's biggest debut ever. That's crazy. And the 1.35 million pure means what, Cressy? That is actual album buys. And the big number includes streams, radio plays, all of that. Got it. Got it. Thank you. So all of those variants 
1989 really paid off. I know. We're annoyed by them, but some of you suckers are paying for it. (laughs) Y'all are crazy. We are in different tax brackets. So now let's get into the many, many list Taylor has topped this year. Starting with Forbes. Forbes named Taylor Swift as the fifth most powerful woman of the year. Last year, she was 79th. This makes Taylor the first entertainer in Forbes history to land in the top five. Because these top names are normally political figures, CEOs, people like that. Like, y'all may not think it's a big deal that she got number five. You might be like, why isn't it number one? Let me read you guys the full list of top 10, and you will realize how huge it is that she, a singer, is so high. Number one, Ursula von der Leyen, the president of the European Commission. This person controls Europe. Okay. Obviously, they're, they're not, she's number one. Number two, Christine Lagarde. This is the president of the European Central Bank. Again, controlling the money of Europe. Of, of Europe. <laughs> number three, Kamala Harris, the vice president of the United States. Yeah. Okay. Number four, Georgia Maloney, the prime minister of Italy. Number five, Taylor Swift. Comma, singer-songwriter. Yeah. <laughs> That's like, what? After all those titles, hers is singer-songwriter. Yeah. Fifth most powerful. Number six, we've got Karen Lynch, the CEO of CVS. That is our prescriptions, you guys. And when we've got the CEO of Citigroup, Fidelity Investments, General Motors, GM, and also Melinda Gates. That's the rest of the top 10. Like, it is a very big deal that Taylor is this high up. That is wild. Just amongst the titles, hers is so silly. Yeah. But like her power, she's so powerful. Wow. Yeah. All of the titles are highlighted in blue because they have a Wikipedia article. There's not one for singer-songwriter. So let's get into why she's number five. We all know it's a big deal now. So in the article they wrote about their decision, they talk about how heavily of an economic impact she's made in the world this year. They called this the Taylor Swift effect, noting that, quote, two nights of her tour in Denver added $140 million to Colorado's gross domestic product. And the U.S. Travel Association estimates that collectively the U.S. leg of the Eras tour added more than $5 billion, with a B, to state economies. She kind wild. of saved us from a recession. Wow. That's insane. Like, this is so much more than the money she makes. You know, like, this is huge. Like, $140 million to Colorado just from her showing up. All I can think about is that video of Joe Biden. It's like, stimulates the economy. Hurts nobody. (laughs) Benefits everybody. Yes. Literally, though. It's like literally what's happening. That's insane. Wow. Except us. It hurt my personal finances. It was announced on December 5th that Taylor is the Time Magazine's Person of the Year. She's the first woman to appear twice on a Person of the Year cover since the magazine began in 1927. She also appeared on the 2017 cover, which recognized the Me Too movement. Some interesting takeaways from the cover story include that Taylor considers this to be, quote, the breakthrough moment of my career happening at 33, 
And for the first time in my life, I was mentally tough enough to take what comes with that, end quote. That's not that crazy. I feel like, like, let's just pause on that. Like a fact that she is 33 years old. She's been in her career for so long at this point, And she feels like she's just now hitting a breakthrough moment. And not even feels like she literally is. Yeah. This isn't in her head. It literally is at the peak of her career at 33, which makes me so happy coming off of the last time she was really publicly out there was the Lover era and the Miss Americana documentary where she said, I feel like I'm nearing my end. Like this has to be a hit or I'm done. It's just such a nice reminder that mm-hmm. you're like never too old. Yeah. It was just inspiring. There isn't an end, especially when yeah. the media considers so many pop girlies to be at their peak when they're like 19 years old, like Britney Spears, you know? Exactly. And that's what she was thinking. But she's proving her and Beyonce now are proving that you can yeah. be a successful woman in pop and continue to be mainstream and cool and fun and sexy and tour the way that they do. Yeah. And like reign supreme in their mid to late 30s. It's so amazing. Yeah, you don't have to be a 20-year-old to be a pop goddess. I love that. So the Time writer Sam Lansky said that Taylor became the main character of the world this year. We touched on this a bit when we were chatting with Mary. He said, quote, if you're skeptical, consider it. How many conversations did you have about Taylor Swift this year? How many times did you see a photo of her while scrolling on your phone? Were you one of the people who made a pilgrimage to a city where she played? Did you buy a ticket to her concert film? Did you double tap an Instagram post or laugh at a tweet or click on a headline about her? Did you find yourself humming Cruel Summer while waiting in line at the grocery store? Did a friend confess that they watched clips of the Eras tour night after night on TikTok? Or did you? End quote. It's so true. Like, even if you hated Taylor Swift, you probably thought about her at least once a week, if not daily. I thought about her probably every other hour this year like it just never left my head but also it is kind of crazy like I literally remember times this year when I was out at a bar on a Friday or Saturday night with like a band on stage with all my friends and me and one of my other Swifty friends actually it was Caitlin I keep talking about her friend Mm -hmm. of the pod huddled around her phone trying to like hear the surprise songs that night on the tour she gripped us we had to know Mm mm-hmm People posting TikToks like the way I'll cry when I hear the words blah, blah, blah of the first few lines of their favorite song. Or if Taylor does this as a surprise song, I'll go skydiving or get a tattoo or whatever like those. Yes. And the biggest thing about this is the surprise songs are not new. She's been doing this since 1989. They're not a surprise to us. This year, it has been so big. There's brackets and people are following it. And like she said at our tour, they're making games out of it, like sports bets. It's become so much bigger. And if you've been a Swifty for the long haul, you understand how big of a scale it is. And you're right. It probably is because of like TikTok, Mm -hmm. the different kinds of social medias we have now. Speaking of being a longtime Swifty, I found this super, super interesting in the article. The writer pointed out, quote, one line in a song caused as much as a 500% increase in sales at craft stores, end quote, when talking about friendship bracelets. Now this, a lot of people claim that this has been a thing at Taylor Swift concerts. It has not. It has never been a thing. Like maybe on a very, very small scale, but not to this level. Other artists can definitely hold claim to that, but like not Taylor. Even if it was on a small scale, we're big enough Swifties and you're chronically online, we would have heard about it. 
even if we didn't participate, yeah. we would have heard about it. I didn't we hear would about have it. seen it. I didn't see it. And I think it's pretty universally known that the friendship bracelet situation has come from mainly BTS and like music festival, like EDM people. Yeah. That's where it originated. And we totally stole it. And we totally stole it because of the line in your own, your own kid. If she hadn't put that line, I don't think that we would have no. done that and like ripped off no. that culture from K-pop stands really and festivals. Yeah. One line and a song, not, not a single, nope. a deep cut, if you will, a deep cut did this. And now people have framed bracelets in their home, plastic bracelets. Everywhere. They were at the Everywhere. movie theater when the thing dropped. And I were, I live and work in a tourism district. People wear them and trade them at Disney and Universal Studios. It's, it's so beyond. Mm-hmm. One line in a song. Crazy. So uh, let's go through pretty... I'm going to try to go through this quickly because this was a really long article. It's really good, you guys, if you haven't read it yet. There are so many insightful things I learned about Taylor Swift. Please read it. So let's just quickly go through some highlights we want to chat through because they were just too good to not mention. Starting off with how she didn't want to do the re-recordings at first. She had to be convinced. Very shocked at that, capitalist queen. Yeah, she said something like, if your homework flies away, do you want to do your homework again on the bus or something like that? Like, she didn't want to do all the work again. Honestly, fair. Right? Yeah, fair. I feel that. <laughs> Another one is that this is the first time Taylor has talked so openly about Kim Kardashian. Yeah, she used her full government name when talking about the phone call. She said, when Kim Kardashian edited the phone call. She's not over it. And I love that for her because she shouldn't be. That ruined her life for a very long time. And she stated it like a fact because it is. And yeah, karma comes back around, baby. Yeah. Lawyer Kim. Uh, the next one is a quote from Taylor that is very, very layered. And we've got to dissect it. Quote, life is short. Have adventures. Me locking myself away in my house for a lot of years. I'll never get that time back. I'm more trusting now than I was six years ago. End quote. Joe found dead in a fucking ditch. She said, we trauma bonded. <laughs> that was it. So fast with the six years, to be clear. Not to be like for two years when I was like literally hiding. Uh, no, six years. It's so clear that she clung to him because he was right for her at the time. Yeah. And she didn't trust anyone else. And now she's like being more of a person now. I want to go out to eat. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. I want to go to parties with my friends and it's fine if I get papped. Like, it's fine. It's so nice that she's like out in the world and letting herself be told. I know. And my favorite part of the article is how clear it was that reputation is next with the way she talks about it. And honestly, all the photos were very reputation coded. Can I say something brave? Mm hmm. I didn't love the styling. I thought it was a little weird. It's a little underwhelming. And that's, let's be clear, you guys, that's not Taylor's fault. That is time. Mm -hmm. She is a warm spring. She is not a cool. Why did they put her in a blue undertoned red lip? The, the very washing out silver, like very cool color. She is a spring toned girly and they just washed her out. But I did like Benji on the cover. I thought that was cute. That's definitely the variant I'm going to buy. That was cute. And I really liked the one 
where she's in the long black dress with the reputation guitar. Yeah. I just thought she looked like a literal like fake Barbie doll model in that photo. Mm-hmm. Almost like they extended her legs like it was editorial. It was so cool. Just thinking about how fun her photo shoots have been in the past. Like I'm thinking about the one she did with Rolling Stone where she had like the bright yellow makeup. You know what I'm talking about? MK? Oh my God. Yes. Yes, I do. That was such amazing styling. I, it's just a shame that time didn't do that for her. And let's be clear. If you look through like the past hundred years of these magazine covers, they're always underwhelming and boring and very businessy. Like look at the Mark Zuckerberg one. It's ugly. They all are so ugly. So I guess it's on brand, but come on time. It's Taylor freaking Swift. Let's add some color to this. Honestly, the fact that she's in a leotard and holding a cat is kind of wacky for it. That's as (laughs) out of the box as she could get. Yeah, that's as fun as she could make it. So another quote that we wanted to highlight was, she gives people, many of them women, particularly girls, who have been conditioned to accept dismissal, gaslighting, and mistreatment from a society that treats their emotions as inconsequential, permission to believe that their interior lives matter, that for your heart to break, whether it's from being kicked off a tour or by the memory of a scarf still sitting in a drawer somewhere or because somebody else controls your life's work is a valid wound. And no, you're not crazy for being upset about it or for wanting your story to be told, end quote. Shout out to Sam. What a wonderful set of words. Yeah. Nailed it. Nailed it, Sam. Because it's so true. Like, we're allowed to feel things. I know. And... The things we feel can be universal and it's okay that one person speaks to so many women because maybe a lot of women's experiences are universal and maybe that's okay for us to still be upset about them. You know, it's like what a concept, right? That we're like a really important, powerful demographic and no one ever wants to listen to us and she's our voice and that's okay. Yeah. Wow. So now let's get into the tour slash movie. Obviously, we have to touch on this if we're going to recap her 2023. Uh, she visited 66 states across the Americas this year. It's projected to become the biggest tour of all time. All time. Not the year, not not the decade. All time. And it's also the first tour to gross over a billion dollars. And it's far from over, too. Her Europe portion hasn't even begun. And we already have a movie for it. The Eras Tour concert film had the biggest domestic box office opening weekend for a concert film ever at $92.8 million. Its second weekend is also bigger than any concert film opening ever, too, at $31 million. It gave AMC Theaters its biggest single-day ticket sales in history. That's crazy. And it's currently the highest rated concert film on Rotten Tomatoes with a 99% approval rating and has surpassed $250 million at the global box office. I know we will probably not get this because we already have this movie, but I would kill for a behind the scenes how she did for 1989 where she talked about the rehearsals and stuff. I would love that because I want to know about the making of this because this is a feat global tour i want to know about the inner workings i want to know about the dancers i just there's so much i want to know but i doubt we'll get another movie i know i doubt it too and i don't even think what we got from 1989 tour movie was like what i really want out of it because she really only touched in 1989 on all the special guests and 
I all I want is to like see how she trained, see how long she trained. You're right. I want to know the dancers. I want to know more about the band and the backup singers. Like they're always around, and I want to see her like sliding under the stage and popping up and coming down and outfit changes. Like I want the Katy Perry part of me type of documentary where you see her crying backstage and then getting up on stage. And I doubt we'll ever get that from Taylor, but I know what you mean. I want it to. Yeah. It would be so nice. But this concert, this tour, this movie really took over, encompassed our entire year for sure. And I don't think we expected that out of it. I also want to know, MK, as a big Harry fan, and since Harry is kind of close to her and the way that social media treats them, you know, like I'm thinking about TikToks. Yeah. Harry's probably like the second biggest artist I see TikToks about. Yeah. Were there lives of his show the same way that there were lives of the Eras tour? Or was the Eras tour like just this unique thing? I'm sure there were, but there was no way they were as popular. I never really saw them come up. And Taylor had her own tab. Like, remember, if you search on TikTok, you can see the Eras tour. You can click on that tab and see videos and posts about it and then click a live tab. So they were just like way more accessible, almost promoted. And so I think they just like multiplied in popularity and with the surprise songs that adds an element of, I want to hear what's happening tonight right now. Whereas Harry's set list is pretty set in stone. That's true. I agree. I I guess considering the surprise songs of it all made it such a novelty each show, like each show was so special and different on its own. I know there were probably nights that got like quote unquote better songs than we did in Atlanta, but still to me it's like, just like the novelty of it. It just makes it so special and so memorable. You know what I mean? Yeah. When you meet someone who went to the tour, you ask where they went and then you say, what were your surprise songs? Yeah, That is all you want to know. And then you're like, oh my God, you're so lucky. Those are so good. Every time, no matter what they say. So in other news, Taylor became a billionaire this year. Again, with a B, with Forbes capital reporting, B. capital B. With Forbes reporting her net worth at $1.1 billion as of December 5th, 2023. It's estimated that $500 million comes from royalties and touring. Another $500 million comes from her music catalog. And then around $125 million comes from her real estate. I can't fathom this amount of money. No, no. She's like a corporation, like as a person. I want to look up one of those things that like puts a billion in perspective. Oh my gosh. You know what I'm talking about? Like all of those different ones? Yeah. Someone's told me this like a million times. It's something about like a year versus like seconds. I don't know. I hope that's the one you find. I I found a great one. Okay. One million dollars stacked is 4,300 inches, which is a 30 story high building. We see those. We live in cities. Cool. Yeah. Okay. One billion dollars stacked is 124 times taller than Burj Khalifa, the tallest building on the planet. 124 times taller than the tallest building on the planet. Oh, wow. Saving $100 per day can get you to a billion dollars in 27,397 years. Oh, my God. Yeah. At... Tim underscore Burgess said 1 million seconds is about 11 days. 1 billion seconds is over 31 years. It's that. 
That's is that crazy. crazy? Like a million That's... sounds like a lot and a billion sounds like a lot, but 11 it's days versus 30 something years. Yeah. Just like two weeks of your life versus half of it. I don't even have the, like, I'm not even a little close to the 11 days. I have like maybe half a day and Taylor Swift has 31 years. Like, that's yeah. crazy. I don't even think I have half a day. I don't know. I can't I can't think about it. It's like too much. So with this all in mind, we, GFAW, is we've been toying with the idea of having an expert on the podcast to discuss how ethical it is that Taylor Swift is a billionaire in comparison to other billionaires like Rihanna, Elon Musk, Kylie Jenner, Bill Gates, Oprah Winfrey, Jeff Bezos, all of those people. Because how does she compare? You know, I, how do, and how should we feel about this? So, um, let us know your thoughts if you would want something like that, or if you think we shouldn't touch this with a 10 foot pole, we would love to hear what you think. I know I'm scared because I feel like we always pick and choose the billionaires we want to like. Barely anyone hates Rihanna, but I know, but I, I, I want an economist to explain this to me. I want someone who knows about money to be like, this is what it means. This stuff is good. This stuff is bad. You know, I, I want all the facts in a way simplified for my little peanut brain. I know. Because it's like, why couldn't they just donate so much to charity if they're never going to even see it or touch it? But I think a lot of it's like tied up and stuff when you're technically a billionaire. I don't know. That's the kind of stuff I need to know. Yeah, we need it explained. And I would be remiss if I didn't add that Fenty Beauty uses child slavery. No, for sure. She did get canceled a little bit, but like she's still not. Yeah. People like eat the rich. You think about Jeff Bezos. You don't think about Rihanna. Yeah, you don't think about her. Yeah. Yeah. So next up, we're going to talk about Taylor's friendships and relationships. But first, let's take another break to hear from our sponsors. All right. So now we're going to get into all of Taylor's friends, relationship, drama of the year. Obviously, the most notable being that in April, Taylor and Joe Alwyn officially broke up. It has later been hinted at that they were possibly on again and off again throughout their six-year relationship, but this was definitely the final breakup and when they really decided to tell us, I think. I'm sure yeah. it was yeah. way before. And okay, we've got to talk about how different Midnight's is. Like, we have to. Like, like hits different is 100% about their on and off againness. Go back. Replay the clips. I said it was a breakup album. We talked about this. Mm -hmm. We were like, I don't know. It doesn't really make sense. And I was like, no, she like they broke up a while ago. I know it. Like none of these songs make sense. We fought people on Bejeweled too. We fought people. They're like, no, that's about Calvin. She hasn't wrote a single song about Calvin Harris. Well, she wrote High Infidelity. (laughs) Yeah. Cheating in the face. (laughs) I mean, getaway car. But uh. Yeah, she doesn't think about Calvin Harris anymore. This whole album is different now. And now it makes more sense why we're like, okay, question was probably about Harry. Maroon, probably about Harry. Yeah. Weird. But now it makes sense. And I like it more. I liked it back then. But now with more context, I enjoy it. It's like a fine bottle of wine. Like I'm like, I get it. I get what she was going through. It was almost like it felt like the angstiness of it was faked. Or brought up from the past. Yeah. Yeah. Like a uh, superficial. Yeah. And now we're like, no, she was really going through it. And we just had yeah. no idea. 
She was in the trenches. She just like low-key admitted to being locked up for six years in her person of the year interview. I know. Like she was locked up. She was she was bored out of her. She was so bored. She wrote folklore and evermore about fake people. She was so freaking bored. Or when she was like, um, I don't need to be a wife. It's fine. Oh my God. That line makes me upset now. Devastating. You bitch. Joe Alwyn, you bitch. <laughs> and you know what? I feel comfortable saying that. Okay, we're going to get into this in the Swift Report this month, but Jack Antonoff is putting you on blast on his stories. Everyone, I feel comfortable now really going after you. So all I bets are too. off. Once Jack gets involved, that's a permission from Mother Swift. Sorry. Sweet nothing means nothing. Go on. It's oh, about oh Paul McCartney. God. I know we're going to talk uh, about this later. I know. Oh, she liked a tweet from over a year ago about pa- that song actually being about Paul McCartney. She is mad as hell. I can't. Okay. So then with the most insane, iconic rebound of all time, one month after she announces her breakup from Joe in May of 2023, the Ratty Healy saga begins. We all remember where we were. Yeah, she started her relationship with Maddie Healy. It only lasted a month, and it officially ended in the beginning of June. That was a really hard time to be a Swifty. And let me tell you, this put this on record, quote me saying this, if they stayed together, she would not be person of the year, artist of the year, all of that shit. No, 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 no. Fans were talking about not going to the tour. Like, it was a big deal. It was this crazy. Was a crazy month. Like it was a, it was not an easy time to be a Swifty. Let's let's no. be clear. It was tough. It was tough. <sighs> okay. So the next month in July, a month after Ratty left the building, um, Travis Kelsey made his first move at the Eras Tour show in Kansas City, and he talked about it on his podcast. It's then rumored and later confirmed in the Time article by Taylor herself that shortly after this episode aired. They started seeing each other privately before their official debut in September. And they're still together today. So they were secretly dating for a while. See, you can secretly date someone and not like hide them away for six years. Yeah. And what's funny is that I don't think either of us believed that they were going to date. But they were literally already dating while we were putting out episodes like, nah. (laughs) Nah, who's that guy? He's thirsty. Yeah. He just wants more podcast downloads. I know, but I think we have talked about Travis for more than a lifetime's amount this year. Yep. So let's talk about the girlies now. Yeah. In the past six years, we really haven't seen Taylor hanging out with any of her friends, but her breakup with Joe changed everything. And suddenly we see so many more dinners and parties and football games, and it's so fun and so cute. Taylor's been spending a lot of time with Sabrina Carpenter, Sophie Turner, Blake and Ryan, Selena Gomez, Gigi Hadid, the Heim sisters, and Zoe Kravitz. And we've gotten a lot more moments with Jack Antonoff, of course, Jason Sudeikis, Mike Birbiglia, Cara Delevingne, and Lily Aldridge. Some new faces this year include Ice Spice and fellow wags, that's wives and girlfriends of like athletes, like Brittany Mahomes. This year has been like the whiplash I have of this year. It's like once a week we get at least one new photo op from she and her girlfriends. And I just, I can't believe we used to be 
in a world without this. Like, do you remember the first pop walk after she and Joe broke up? I was like, okay, this is gonna, this is her fun pop walk. We haven't got one of these in a while. Mm-hmm. Let's let's revel. Let's enjoy it. And then it just didn't stop. I know. You know, I think she's just like happy to be back in New York City and like being yeah, a city girl like, again and just live like her life, living life. Like she's out of this trap really that she feels like she was in for six years in London and hiding and wherever and now she's back in New York City she's having fun she's going out to dinner she's with her girls she's with her boys she's like she's just glowing and I love that this is proving that she can kind of live like a normal life as much as she can obviously like with her bodyguards with her entourage like she can go out to eat with Sophie Turner and Dish she can have a slumber party with Brittany Mahomes and friends like she can do all of that and it can be papped and it's fine like it's okay yeah I love that I love that she can just live her life there's no avoiding it it'll never end so I think she's just accepting that fact again I think she had accepted it before like during 1989 and stuff and then Mm -hmm. when she got canceled it was probably like a wake-up call to her but now she's like like she said she is at her peak and she's now strong enough to handle it yeah so she doesn't really care she probably knows it's gonna end at some point and she's like I'm just gonna live my life either way I love that yeah like she said life is too short yeah and it is go to fun restaurants go out with the girls wear a cool jacket wouldn't that be sucky to be the most popular most beloved person have the most money the most access to anything and feel like or even force yourself not to do any of it not to even truly experience life when you have access to do literally any life experience you could ever want it's so isolating it's so, I can't it's imagine. just truly crazy what's crazy you guys read the time article go read it she even mentions like yeah i like lived in a foreign country she didn't even call it england england okay she's like i had to run away to a foreign country they literally speak english but okay. she is so like far past this isolated period of her life and i'm just so happy for her i know me too and i'm happy for us because it gives us a lot of content yeah we got a lot to talk about so that concludes our wrapped episode obviously we didn't touch on everything of course there's just been too much but we hope you enjoyed it and you got to reminisce on what a crazy year it's been with us yeah, and if there are things that we miss that you want to discuss, throw it in the Discord. We can talk about it. Totally. A lot of awards she won, nominations, all the yeah, things. Yeah, I cut like, all that out. There, there's just out. too much. She won everything. That's the synopsis. Yeah. She won it all. And it would have just been us, like, eight awards from this, three nominations from this. That's not fun to listen to. No. Google it. <laughs> yeah. Now we want to get into Nightmares and Daydreams, but... Since it's a 2023 wrapped episode, we're going to do something a little bit different for our nightmares and daydreams. So instead of giving you one nightmare and one daydream, we both are going to give a daydream of the year. How fun is that? Yes. A new tradition. I know. I'm so excited. So as a reminder, if you're a new listener, nightmares and daydreams are our highs and lows of what's going on in the media and pop culture at the moment. So our daydream of the year is going to be the daydream of all daydreams. The highest high of something in pop culture or media of the entire year. That's obviously not Taylor Swift because we have the whole first hour of this for that. Okay. Who wants to go first? I'm kind of scared. I want you to go first because I'm scared. Okay. Okay. I'll be brave for both of us. My 
daydream of the year is someone that I learned about this year. Um, It could have been like towards the end of last year, but I really got into them this year. They were big on TikTok and their music is just so hyper feminine. It's hyper pop, but in a fun way. Um, I feel like uh, a lot of hyper pop is very pretentious and gatekeepy and the community is a little annoying and the lyrics are just like vroom vroom let's ride bitch I, lo- I love charlie xcx but let's be real hyper pop is very simple lyrics like that yeah this person's lyrics are so top tier and the, pro- the production it is no other than chappelle roan and her album the rise and fall of the midwest princess that album is perfect it is so good. It is so fun. It is so flirty while also having some sad real moments, but still being like good production. It is not stripped back in any way. The The sound value given, it's just feminine, fun, and good. That is my day dream of the year. Okay. I love that for you. Um, you. And I am very, 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 very sad. That I couldn't see Chappelle when she was in Atlanta. She was playing a pretty small venue here. Couldn't find anyone to go with me in time, so I just didn't go. And now she's about to open for Olivia Rodrigo. So I know I'm never going to have an opportunity to see her in a tiny venue ever again. She is about to blow up. So get listening now. Start claiming your song. She is going to blow up on this tour opening for Olivia. I saw TikTok that she's like the next Lady Gaga. Like the way she's just a little out there and a little quirky for mm-hmm. everyone, but that it's definitely going to hit and become mainstream and like she's going to yeah. blow up. If you haven't already, listen to this new album because it's about to explode. So it's funny what you just said because my daydream of the year is Guts. Okay. I was trying to think, but the only album or not even album, but just, like, media that came out this year. Like, I considered the Barbie movie because of, like, what it meant, but, like, I only saw it once. Mm-hmm. I like it, but I didn't even feel the need to, like, go back and see it again, you know? But, like, Guts gave me the feeling of how I felt, like, when Taylor albums came out. Mm-hmm. I thought it was interesting to dissect the lyrics, think about who they're about. Um, it made me feel angsty. It made me feel like a teenager again. It was fun. It was almost silly at first. And then I was like, no, I'm like starting to understand where she's coming from. And then I got really into it. Like it grew on me a little bit. I just thought it was like a fun album rollout and drop experience, only comparable to the way I feel about Taylor's. So for me, that was my thing of the year. I also loved like the girl powerness of the year, obviously. Um, And I think she had a really big part of that. So I don't know. It was fun. It was fun to like see everyone on TikTok talk about how they literally feel like a teenage girl when they listen to her. And that's like the best feeling, you know, to just feel angsty and like scream about feminism or whatever that boy or. I have been on a real kick with get him back. Let me be clear. Do not relate to it at all. It's just such an earworm. I know. Like, met a guy in the summer. Like, like, it's just so good. I know. It just plays in my head on a loop. It's almost satirical, the way she was, like, going about these things. I was in the car with someone, and they were like, this literally sounds like a parody of a Gen Z song. And I was like, no, for sure. But I think that's what she's going for. That and what was the other big popular one? 
about I knock on his door, blah, 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 and Bad I want to stop, right. but I can't. Yeah, that one. Bad idea, right? <laughs> that one, like it's almost like a little kitschy. Like she's she's on the nose on purpose. Yeah, it's self aware. Yeah, it's very self aware, and it's just plain fun. I'm really glad that both of ours are just like fun. I know. Like, okay, I liked that album. I'm 25, but I loved it. Yeah. Um, Little peek behind the curtain. Uh, I have been saying with my friend Hannah a lot because she's had a tough week and I we're going to have a fun weekend. I've been quoting that Abby Lee Miller quote, you know, from Dance Moms, where she's like, and we're all going to have fun. You, you guys know what I'm talking about? Um, yeah. I've been like, we're all going to have fun this weekend. But that's kind of our daydreams. Like, we're all going to have fun. Yeah. I just I just want to be lighthearted. Doesn't have to be that serious. Yeah. Sorry. I like pop music. Sue me. I won't. Never would. Thank you. Me either. Well, thank you for listening to another episode of Good for a Weekend. If you want to share your Spotify wrapped or your highs and lows of the year or your daydream of all daydreams, chat with us. We've got all the socials. We've got a Discord. This is all linked in our show notes and our link tree. So you can hit up any of those. Yeah. And if you want to rate and review us wherever you're listening to this podcast, it helps us a ton. Give us a five-star review. Tell us how awesome we are. Or you can buy us a coffee on our link tree. We have a buy me a coffee and you can get us some fuel to write and edit these episodes. Yes. And I will be honest, last night, I've already told MK this, last night I did have a dream that we got like a hundred new reviews and I just scrolled through all of them and it made me so happy in my dream. So um, maybe we can make that true. Yeah. No, I think we could. Yeah. And I'm not kidding, you guys. This was like a literal dream I had last night. MK can vouch for me. I said this to her off air. Yeah. That was like one of the first things she texted me this morning. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think we can make it happen. If all of you just take literally a minute to rate us and write a little comment about why you like this episode. Yeah. It would make me so happy. It would make me happy too. I'd also wouldn't mind if you bought me a coffee. Cressy was going through it last night trying to write this thing because so much happened with Taylor Swift in 2023. Y'all, I cut so much. <laughs> it's like, it's impossible. I don't even know how she did this. So buy her a coffee. And have a very happy new year. We'll see you for our Swift report. And you guys know what's coming in January. Our predictions episode where we're always wrong, but they're always a blast. So we'll see you with one more episode this year. And then it's until 2024.